My name is Suzanne Legrand, and this is The Shaman's Notebook. Today, my guest is Professor Irvin Laszlo, who is a writer, a philosopher of science, and founder of two international think tanks dedicated to exploring and expanding the frontiers of science and consciousness. He has recently published Reconnecting to the Source, the New Science of Spiritual Experience, How It Can Change You and Transform Your World. So you are a philosopher of science and also of consciousness. For a long time, these were seen as separate fields. The dominant view of science saw a division between consciousness as something subjective and internal within us and external objective reality, a world made up of data and facts that are out in the world. What's wrong with this division and understanding of reality? Well, first of all, it's not true. As far as we can tell, also the ancient classical wisdom told us that we are spiritual beings who have spiritual experiences and a consciousness in the deepest sense of the world, and that we are uh, are, uh, also biochemical, physical beings. And they are both of these things, all of these things together. We are more than any one of those things. And the great philosophers of all times, of course, were never purely physicalist thinkers or purely spiritual thinkers. They have encompassed both. The idea of, of of a philosophy is the love of truth, philosophia. And that includes, of course, knowing the world and knowing our experience of the world. We experience the world through our consciousness. And therefore, we we might even say that our consciousness is all we know of the world, because everything comes through our consciousness. As Max Planck, the great physicist, says, there is no going beyond consciousness. This is all, the last, in the last final count, what we know is always an element of our consciousness. But we do believe, and I think with good reason, that our consciousness is not all there is. Our consciousness emerges and exists in the world. Our consciousness is something which is, which is in us, for us, but is not, not necessarily uniquely produced or exists only within us. Consciousness may be an element, but this takes us further, and we can explore it if you like. A consciousness may be an element of the world, so that when we know our consciousness, we know something about the world. I think that is the new holistic, a uh, new old, because it's also old at the same time, but the new holistic quantum understanding of the nature of reality. So this division between science and the world out there and consciousness and subjective experience. This isn't true, and yet it is operating in a lot of dominant understandings of um, how we understand reality at present. Why do we have this misperception or this untruth, as you say, about um, how the world and how how reality is, that that there's a division? Well, this is an illusion, and no smaller person than Einstein said this, separateness is an illusion. So now to, to trace the origins of this, we would have to go practically go back to the beginning of the modern age. Mm-hmm. We have tried to get an understanding through physics with the great synthesis of Isaac Newton. 
And this synthesis came from a person who himself was a deeply spiritual person, but he described the world in terms of laws, mechanistic laws. He himself said in his right that these are only the surface manifestations. There's something much deeper in the world. But his followers picked up these laws and said the world consists of mechanistic motion, movement according to eternal laws, and that's all there is in the world. And anything that we, we, we consider further, we, we just imagine, we just uh, add to it. The world is basically a, an arena for the motion of particles of matter following, obeying eternal laws, mechanistic laws. And so everything, in a sense, is already determined in, in the world. So there is no subjectivity. There is no consciousness. There is no place for consciousness in the Newtonian synthesis. And that synthesis became so powerful 250, 300 years ago that it swept under the rug all other considerations, at least in the Western world. Mm-hmm. It's not so true elsewhere in the world, and now it's not true anymore in the leading edge of science. It's not true anymore. But the origins of our belief that we can explain everything in terms of uh, mechanistic laws, the motion of matter in space and time, that was typical of the, of, of the last 200, 250, or even 300 years. So that's, where, that's what we inherited and that's from which we are about, I think, liberating ourselves. So let me ask, why does this matter? What, what difference does it make um, in terms of how we live in the world to see ourselves as part of the world or as to see the world as separate from us? Well, that makes a lot of difference uh, because we are destroying the world because we believe that it separates from us. It's not us. Mm-hmm. And we are not responsible for it. If, if the world is just a mechanical aggregate, then, uh, then of course, we, uh, we go about it without thinking, without, con- cons- without being considerate of it. Mm-hmm. You that say that... A, a, Sorry. Excuse me. You say that we are deeply and spontaneously connected to each other and to the world. Could you talk about I'm some... I'm sorry to interrupt the recording. I'm, I'm, I'm back on again. Okay, great. All right, sorry. So in your book, you say that we are deeply and spontaneously connected to the world and each other. What are some of the ways that we are connected to each other and the world that we may not be fully aware of? Well... First of all, the most deepest and most well-tested, physically well-tested connection is the quantum connection, is what is known as non-locality, is the fact that a quantum particle, when it's split and it's, uh, the split, uh, split half is, is projected any finite distance, as we can know, uh, anything that we do to the original particle appears also in the other half particle, even though it's away from it even though it could be miles, hundreds of miles, as far as we know, not in any distance. And this connection stays, it remains. It's a permanent connection, it seems. It operates on the quantum level. Now, this is well-tested and well-tested, and it's done in physics laboratories all over the world. Uh, It's called the Bell Inequality. It has many different scientific names. 
The point is, however, that there is an intrinsic connection on the quantum level. Now, what's surfacing in the last 10, 15, 20 years is that this kind of quantum connections are not limited to the micro-domain of the world. They are also appear on the meso-domain of life and even the macro-domain of the universe. There, there is information that is being shared over large distances, and it's not relying on the transfer of energy. It's not information in the ordinary sense. If you want the quantum science definition of what, is, what it is uh, consisting of, then you spell information with a hyphen, information. A part of the world, the deeper part of the world, informs, forms deeply the surface manifestations of the world. And this deeper part of the world is a single quantum system. It's the implicate order, according to the quantum physicist David Bohm. So let me just summarize. The point is that quantum connections, non-locality, is now typical of the living world typical of the astronomical world as well. The world is not a mechanical system with so-called local realism or local, local, local causality. Here and now, now everything that we know, to some extent, what appears here also appears elsewhere. That is, nothing is confined to a single point in space and a single point in time. That is a tremendous difference. Because if this is the case, and we believe that it is, then we are so intimately connected to other things that what we do to other things feeds back to ourselves, whether we know it or not. And no matter how far away in time and even in, in, in space it occurs, it all feeds back to us. This universe is a single quantum system. I love, to, I love to call it the Akashic universe or the Akashic field because the ancients two and a half, three thousand years ago already came up with this notion of Akasha dimension where everything is connected, where all things are conserved, nothing disappears entirely. This kind of quantum universe is now surfacing in science and it, makes, it tells us that we are part of a single interconnected universe where the information is shared by all things. We are actually living in a hologram. This is another metaphor, if you like, but it's a very accurate metaphor for what we are finding on the, on the, the new quantum sciences. Every, the, the world runs on this information, <clears throat> and <clears throat> whatever information, <clears throat> whatever information is taking place and anywhere on any part of the world, feeds back to all other parts. This is exactly like in a hologram. We know without experience of a hologram that when you take a holographic medium or a holographic film, you activate any one part of it, and it, the entire image, or the, all the information that creates the image is, appears at that point. So the hologram is not limited in space and time. All the information is present at all points. So we can say this about the new concept of the quantum uh, concept of, of cosmology. The universe is a quantum hologram. All information is present at all times. A tremendous mind-boggling spectrum or, or vista because it says that we are capable by, by perceiving, by grasping uh, the information that is coming to us. We are in principle grasping and having access to the information that underlies the whole universe. 
That is in principle true. Of course, we can't get all that information into our head, but basically there are no absolute limits to the spread of this information. We, are, we live in a quantum universe. That, that I call the new paradigm. I think it makes a tremendous difference as to how we believe we are and how we believe we, we can act and should act, should act, because we are living in a living and a participatory universe and not in a, in a dead, inert matter, material universe. So let's talk a little bit about how we can affect reality, if this is true. A lot of people believe that looking at the chaos that is going on in the world right now, that we are powerless or that there are forces that are beyond our control that we don't know how to affect or to change. What would you say are the implications for, for example, creating a more just world or a world where we pay more attention to and take care of the natural world. Well, we are gone off on the long tangent. We, have this, we are disconnected from the world. You see, nature operates by means of shared information. In nature, as we now find, cooperation is far more important than competition, and there is nothing is entirely disconnected to anything else. As we can now recognize also in science, there is no absolute randomness, no absolute chance even. You can't have pure chance because if anything is connected to everything else and you can, nothing is completely disconnected, nothing can be purely random. Everything is connected by some informational means uh, to other things. So if, that is, if this is true, then what we do affects all other things. We are part of the quantum hologram. We affect it. We affect the world around us. Sensitive people can pick up this information and can act accordingly. This is really a contagion. It is something that, that can uh, spread in the world, an idea almost like an, like an infection in a positive sense, of course, not a virus. Uh, something positive well, if people start acting as they recognize that who they are, what the world is, that they are part of the world, that they are participating, then the world around them picks up that information. New ideas and new trends in, in values, in priorities are surfacing. And then my new book, as you mentioned, is called The Reconnecting to the Source, which I think the concept is the basic one. You have to reconnect to the universe, you see. But when we, in, in that book, I, I list a whole lot of different movements that show that there is indeed a movement forward toward this kind of sharing community life, a sharing uh, of, of feeling that we are part of each other. The whole concept of unconditional love that young people are coming up with more and more, that is based on this, that we are not separate, we are not indifferent to one, indifferent to one another. We are really part of each other. So this, I think, is is the true face of reality. The way we act is how it affects us, how it affects other people, how it affects other people, how it feeds back to us. So what we believe and how we act is absolutely fundamental. We can practice things, we can take practical cues, how uh, people do in, in Buddhist thought, for example, how, how the yogics, uh, various yogas do this, how uh, Western 
spiritual traditions do this. All this is, is very good and, and useful and necessary, but we can also do it by ourselves. We can, do, we can go inside to ourselves and discover our oneness with the world around us and uh, then act accordingly. Then we can change the world. It, I don't think changing the world will come from the outside and come from above. Changing the world comes from the inside and comes from each of us. As Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. And that is, I think, the key to living a responsible life, being, first of all, that change, being, feeling that oneness and acting accordingly. That is now the new physics, and it's the new metaphysics, and I think it's the new consciousness as well. So we can see a lot of examples of a kind of contagion of fear, and also certainly the rise of fascism around the world, which in some sense, according to your theory, we are affecting one another by by the amount of fear that is present in the universe. So to apply your idea that we can be the change that we seek, how can we turn around this um, this contagion of, of fear, really? Um, we are affected by all of the, the unfortunate and terrible things that are going on in the universe, and they, I think, have affected all of our psyches um, negatively. So how could we turn that around, and how could we turn that around um, individually so as to uh, affect the collective in a more positive way? Well, this single answer that I give in this new book, I've been writing many books on, on similar uh, this kind of topic, but the new answer I want to give, a very concise one, is really what the title is, Reconnecting to the Source. We have broken the connection with the deeper nature, with our deeper nature and with nature around us. We no longer live according to the, the, the laws, the, the, the lies, the holistic laws, the non-mechanistic laws of evolution. We are creating our own world, an artificial synthetic world, and we are disregarding very largely each other or a very large groups of people, concentrating only on ourselves, thinking that if we only take care of our own interests, the rest either will take care of itself or will go under, we are not responsible. This kind of thinking is bringing us into deeper and deeper chasms, deeper and deeper catastrophes. We can turn it around by ourselves. By our, I, I, go, I go back to that. Go back into nature. Find the rhythms. Find the harmony. Go back to great art, to spirituality. Go back to great philosophy. And go, if you, if you wish, to pursue it into the new quantum sciences as well. But you can also just go and feel, feel what you truly are. When you allow yourself to let go of this surface rush, rat race, allow yourself to concentrate on yourself, on what you are, what you feel, you will feel that oneness, you will feel a harmony. And that, if you allow that to surface, as the Buddhists have been saying now for thousands of years, if you allow that to surface, then you'll be a, a, a more solid, more sound, more sane person, and you can affect the world accordingly. Just go into nature. Go into your own mind, into your own consciousness. Just let go for a while. It's an old recipe, but it's very important today. Again, 
because now they have scientific proof, quote-unquote scientific proof, that we actually, we are part of this universe, and what we do, what we feel, has an effect on all things. So when we, when we recognize this, we act like children do. Children basically are not vicious. It's very, very tiny exceptions. They're not against each other. They recognize somehow that we are all uh, belonging to the same playground, as it were. And that is that kind of re reconnecting or recognizing of who we are is what we need more urgently than anything else. And the key is in us, not in others, it's in us. So we have to develop this. Of course, if we develop it in communion, in good partnership with others around us, it's easier and it's more powerful. We can seek connection with others. We can also seek connection with nature. And that is where the action is and the key to moving on, finding the right way forward and letting go of this artificial way of seeking and hunting for money and for power, for, for dominating others, instead of trying to live in a way that's responsible, that's sustainable, and that is in harmony. I think that is up to us, and we can do it if we can just realize that we need to do it and that we are able to do it. Do you think that we can also affect um, change with our intentions? Um, you know, if we are all part of consciousness, um, can we, for example, according to energy medicine, you know, we can um, actually heal ourselves partly with our conscious thought. Is that true? Yeah, well, our consciousness actually has a physical effect. That is true, that, 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 that we know. The key word here, I think, is information, both with the hyphen and without the hyphen. I can just take it in an ordinary sense. Uh, we can project information. We do it all the time, whether we like it or not. Now, if uh, we are, have some basic knowledge of what is happening, how to do it, then we can heal. We can project the information, the energy. Okay, so call it energy medicine. Energy information for me, it, it's the same. Uh, the new medicine, which works on the basis of non-local information. And I myself have the experience, I'm not a healer, but I have been treated, I have been handled for, for uh, several decades by people who are practicing information medicine. And I have also researched this quite a bit than myself. I have a book published last year called Information Medicine with the famous cancer researcher, Dr. Pier Mario Biava, and that is published by Inner Traditions. And there we are describing some, the physical effects, even how you can cure cancer, not all cancers, but certain many kinds of cancer you can cure by bringing the information that is present in the whole organism to bear on it. So there's a new medicine coming, as you, as you yourself addressed this topic. There's a new medicine coming, a new understanding of health and well-being, not as purely as, as biochemical functions and malfunctions, but as the information, which if we don't correct, then it shows up on the biochemistry of the body. But deep down, it is the information that connects our cells that makes the difference between health and disease. Mm. So one last question for you. 
It strikes me that we live in the information age. We are overwhelmed by information and we have more access to information than ever before. And yet we are also perhaps more disconnected ever than ever before. Uh, I'm wondering, what does it involve to actually um, use information in a way that connects as opposed to how, how it's often used, which is to further disconnect us? Well, information, actually, information does connect. I mean, we have a worldwide web, you know. I mean, you get on the Internet and you can connect any, anybody anywhere. So it, the, the possibilities are there that we're misusing information uh, because we are seeking only uh, our own short-term interests, our short-term power and uh, domination and wealth. And that is, is creating this misuse, this, this maladaptation around us. The information we need is the information that is there in nature, that is there in the universe, the information that connects. You know, there's many great scientists have been talking about, including Max Planck and Schrödinger and Einstein and, and Carl Jung and so on, about the very fact that at the very heart of nature, something is operating, which we many call uh, divinity or, or give it a great spirit, different names like a great spirit. Uh, I call it an attractor uh, as a, in terms of scientific term. It's something that is impelling the system all the various evolving systems to move toward coherence. Coherence is the big key word these days, and it has to be in, in, in science, and it's coming into society as well. We need coherent organization. We need coherent systems where all parts are connected with one another and all parts function together to maintain that system in, in a good shape and help enable it to evolve further. So... This kind of information that leads to coherence is not what we artificially broadcast in, 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 in many places and, and read about and uh, communicate. Uh, that is a short-term information that serves short-term interest. The information that we need is the one that on which the universe runs, and that information is toward coherence, toward the connection of elements for forming whole systems. A human being is a whole system. If it breaks down, any part of it is disease. If any part of it breaks down and separates from the rest and continues to try to, to, to multiply itself, then it's called cancer. So information is, needs to connect the whole system. We are informational whole systems. That is the lesson from the quantum sciences, and that is what we need to learn. So not... Uh, need to use information the right way, not in the short-term way in which it only serves a given interest in the, in the, in the, in the briefest element, and then it, it very often harms others in the process. True information doesn't harm others, because what is good for the whole system is good for me. What is truly good for me is good for the whole system. An old, an old adage, of course, but it's becoming more and more to the fore in the new biology, in quantum biology, in, in, in the new psychological teachings, in trans transpersonal psychology, and in many, many parts of the, of, the, of the cosmology and in physics, of course. Thank you so much.
I have been talking today with Professor Irvin Laszlo, who is the author of Reconnecting to Source, The New Science of Spiritual Experience, How It Can Change You and Transform the World. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Okay, thank you. I enjoyed our discussion. I am Suzanne Legrand, and this is The Shaman's Notebook. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe in the link below or leave a comment. Thank you.